Hello, everyone. My name is Katyra Poland. I am the CEO of Love for Words, an editing boutique, and I'm also the creator of Editor Knows Best, the podcast you're tuned into right now. And Editor Knows Best airs every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a few other channels. Today, we do have a very special guest. She is a freelance writer turned author, editor, and writing coach. She transforms manuscripts and creative ideas into a finished product. For more than six years, she has connected with hundreds of aspiring writers, artists, and entrepreneurs across the world, using the power of words to bring their visions to life. She's a graduate of the Louisiana State University, where she received a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's degree in liberal arts with a concentration in African and African-American studies. Though she attempted to take the practical career route, a route she decided to pursue her love for writing full-time in 2015, which birthed Masterpieces Writing and Editing, LLC, three years later. She is an accountability coach and newbie YouTuber, and she currently lives in Louisiana, where she was born and raised. Today's special guest is Erica James. Thank you so much for joining us today, Erica. Thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome. So can you tell us a little bit more about your journey um, into becoming an editor? It's a very interesting one. Um, well, I did not intend to become an editor, even though like I always had like the idea, um, because when I was growing up, everyone had these movies that were based in New York, and these women were like working at these major marketing companies, and like I always saw myself in a role like that, but I was like, I don't think that's for me because I think in some ways I was fearful of it. Like I didn't think that was something that I could do. And um, when I was in grad school, I was considering becoming an instructor and that didn't work out. So after I left my job in 2014, a lot of openings were there, but I hardly heard from anyone. And I was like, this is a first for me because I had never applied for jobs that I did not get, never interviewed for jobs that I did not get. So I was at a point where I had to figure out exactly what I was going to do to keep the bills paid because they were steadily piling up. And after a conversation with my cousin, because she had went to a book signing when Phaedra Parks first put out her book, and I don't know exactly what she said, but it sparked something in my mind that, okay, so what do you know how to do that you do well that you can charge people for? And that was writing and editing. And having recently completed grad school, that's pretty much all I did. And I had done it for people for free. So that's when I decided to jump into it. But it still was a struggle from there because I was a freelancer on Fiverr. And a lot of people wanted to pay the bare minimum and get a lot for right. it. And right. Even that, yeah. And even was a very interesting experience because I only started out writing song lyrics and editing academic papers. And then people just started asking me, hey, can you look over this book chapter? Can you write sales copy? And I was like, wait a minute, what? And just from there, it continued to grow. And then I was like, okay, so I think this is the path you're meant to be on. So I finally decided to make it a legit business. Awesome. Congratulations. I'm glad that you uh, made that come to fruition. So we know you're an editor, but are you, you're also an author. So can you tell us a little bit more about um, your experience as an author and how you um, got into that? Well, that's been the main thing that I've always seen myself as. But again, just like I mentioned before, with being in like this top position, I just couldn't see myself 
in that because it was like well how do I get there because I had always been a writer ever since I was very young had even entered in contest and won but a lot of people put it into my head that that's just a hobby that's not something that you do for a career and I think a big part of the reason why I had to be pushed into becoming an editor is to get back to being an author and helping other people get their projects out. I was able to see the behind the scenes and I was like, hmm, so it's not that difficult. And it's like, if it's something you don't know, you can figure it out. Mm -hmm. So being able to work my own project, like it's been a really freeing experience. And mm -hmm. it's one of those that I'm most proud of because like I mentioned before, it was a lot of fear attached to just being able to step out on my own and do something. Mm -hmm. So I'm very grateful for the process and I look forward to what's to come next. Awesome. So if you had to choose between uh, being an author and being a, an editor, uh, which would you choose and why? Definitely an author, um, because that's the one that I'm most connected to, because even when I'm not working on a book, like I would write poetry. Mm -hmm. So I've always written and it's just always been a part of my life. And even when I was in college, a lot of my professors would be like, we need to talk whenever I would turn in a paper. And I'm thinking like, okay, this isn't my best work, but here you go. But it's like, they could still see like there was something yes. there, like it was just an assignment. Mm -hmm. So that's one that's been nearest and dearest to my heart being an mm -hmm. author. Awesome. Awesome. So we know you are an editor. We know you're an author. And uh, of course, in the bio, I mentioned that you were an accountability coach. So can you tell our audience a little bit more about that? Um, and also um, how that ties into goal setting? So um, being an accountability coach, just like I mentioned before, with one thing leading to another. So in helping people work on their books, I realized that a lot of people will get stuck at certain phases of the process. And I realized that a big part of the reason why they would become stuck is because they were not holding themselves accountable. And even in that, I realized how I wasn't holding my own stuff accountable. Mm -hmm. So I wanted my clients to know that you have to want more than just to write a book. Like it has to be tied to that so that you can be motivated to do it. So from there, I wanted them to be able to see that, okay, so even if you create this goal, it's still going to be work that comes with it that you have to actually do. So from there, like I just started making it a part of the services that I offer to make sure that they understood like, okay, this is a necessary part of what you need to do. And I feel that accountability is the thing that really gives your goals purpose. So of course you can want to write a book just for the sake of writing a book, but okay, so what's the deeper connection mm -hmm. to it? Are you creating a better future for yourself and your family? Are you educating people? Are you informing people? So making them aware of what's tied to their goal, I think that helps people hold themselves more accountable and it makes reaching the goal more worthy. Yes, definitely. I agree. And what would you say to our listeners who are maybe um, hesitant to work with an accountability coach? I say just really sit and think about what it is that's stopping you. Um, for me, I've mentioned fear multiple times. And that was the main thing. Like it really was just fear and not necessarily a fear of something specific. It was just fear itself. So whatever came up for me, I was going to something that I was afraid of. Mm -hmm. So really just stopping about exactly what it is that's keeping you from doing it. And the fact that you have to think about it, I think that's all the more reason that you need to work with someone to help you weed through those things and help you really figure out a pathway to overcoming it. And really with 
a lot of my clients, even though they come in and they say that they only want a certain amount of time, my goal is to get them to see things in less time than they anticipate. Because mm -hmm. again, the vaccination, that's a part of the fear as well. And when they're able to see that they don't really need to work with me long-term because it's like all they needed was the extra push, that makes me happy because it really gives them a newfound sense of confidence. Yes, for sure. And um, can you talk a little bit more about the goal setting um, that comes with the accountability and uh, maybe an example of how you use that um, as an editor or for yourself as an author? Oh, so with me going back to just being an author, because I do the editing separate. So as an author, if I know that I want to get a certain book done at a certain time and I want it to be a certain amount of words, I get very, very specific. Mm -hmm. So I know exactly how many words I need to be writing a day. I know how many words I need to be writing within a week, within a month, mm -hmm. so that I'm able to reach that goal. And the thing about it is that I'm not strict on the goal either. It's like I still have room to move around it because it's not necessarily about like meeting it on the exact date that you said you would the goal is to get it done mm -hmm. and in doing that like I've been able to reach my goals and before I would set them and then I just leave them alone because they weren't really specific it's like oh I have time to do this oh yeah. I'm busy I have this to do but I've been able to incorporate it into my work so as far as the business goals when I set goals for my business, I think about where I want to be. So I have in my phone, I have a list of goals for the business, a list of goals that are personal. And instead of just trying to do every single thing that I want to do, it's like I focus on a few main goals, then break those down and figure out exactly what I need to do in order to reach them. So I focus on the short term, which are easier to meet and they're not as overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to do it bit at a time and then when I'm able to look back and completely check something off the list it's like wow like I didn't know like I was at this stage to where I could check it off so mm -hmm. it's really been very rewarding making sure that I incorporate goal setting into my personal life as well as the business awesome awesome thanks so much for giving us some insight and some um, recommendations I'm uh, grateful for that and I'm sure the audience appreciates that as well so um, many in our audience are like yourself, authorpreneurs. So what do you do to uh, keep that balance? And what do you recommend to either current authorpreneurs or aspiring authorpreneurs to um, ensure that they're successful and also healthy? Well, the main thing, it is being healthy because if you are not healthy, it's going to be difficult for you to be successful. And even if you do reach success, you're not going to be able to enjoy it because you're not healthy. And that's what was happening to me before I reached the stage of being an entrepreneur. So with just balancing, figuring out how to be an entrepreneur, that was difficult because I wasn't used to it. I was used to going to a job to where there are clear duties that I have to do. And it was like, oh, now I'm the person who's deciding what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And because I'm a solopreneur, I'm doing it all by myself. So that was very overwhelming for me. And I dealt with a lot of anxiety during that time. And I just started reading a lot of self-help books. I started using meditation apps, anything that can help me really shift my thoughts and focus on what was in front of me. And now my morning routine is like set in stone and I don't deviate from it. And if I do, I feel off. So I read in the morning, I meditate. Every other day I do yoga. So it's just a matter of finding those things that help clear your mind and it can help you set your intentions for the day. 
For sure, definitely. So uh, for our listeners who may be interested in working uh, with an editor, either they're hesitant of working with an editor or I'm not sure what to expect. Can you um, offer them some uh, relief or have a description of what it looks like to work with you as an editor? Sure. So the main thing is don't fear it. A lot of people feel that their books are their babies, and I get it because I used to not even want to tell people about Mm -hmm. even like the topic that I was writing on because I thought someone was going to take from me. But you have to be willing to get an outside opinion. And with an editor, they're not attached to your book. Mm-hmm. So they can give you an opinion that is based on emotions because they're just looking at it as if it's just this individual project. And a lot of the clients that I have, even when they first came to me, it's like they knew they needed a little extra help, but like they still were like, uh, I'm not exactly sure because they don't want a lot of changes to happen. Mm-hmm. But want everyone to know that it's not necessarily about changing it's just making sure that people are able to flow with it making sure that it connects with people and even though some people have the natural gift of writing sometimes they don't necessarily know what goes on like the technical part of writing a book like making sure that things flow making sure that your story is tight that there are no holes in it and oftentimes people have a blind spot to that because they've been with it for so long so don't fear it be open to it and even with taking constructive criticism a lot of people hate to see when you have comments but (laughs) and also for people I want them to know that as the author you have the final say so so even if you don't like absolutely anything that the editor said it's like that's fine However, just know that you basically paid a person to not change anything. Exactly. So you have to keep that in mind as well. So make sure that you are cashing in on the value that you're paying for. Exactly. And I can second um, all of that. Um, specifically, um, you were saying, of course, the final say-so lies with the author, specifically if you're self-published. So whatever you say goes. So that's another reason not to really fear the process. And you know, for me, when I work with you know clients, I also let them know I'm an I am an author as well. And when I write my books, I have an editor you know work on my manuscript just because I'm too close to it. And Erica's actually um, worked on some of my work, so um, she's one of the editors that I, I bring in from time to time. So uh, for all the authors who are listening. The most important part of the editing process is the relationship. It's not how much it costs. It's not what your book is about. It's not the genre. It's the relationship. So Erica, I don't know if you offer consultations, but one of the things that I do is offer a free consultation up front where we can get to know each other, make sure we're on the same page, uh, make sure that I can deliver what you need, make sure that I can actually work with you. So that's the opportunity for the author and the editor to say, yes, we should move forward or no, we, we shouldn't. And one or both parties may decide that it's not a good fit and that's okay. Um, and I mean, I've been in the seat where, you know, the client has decided not to work with, work with me for X, Y, Z reason. And, you know, you don't take it personally, you know, maybe it was the budget or uh, maybe they're looking for somebody for a different genre. So again, for all of the authors and writers listening, make sure that you establish that relationship up front 
you feel comfortable working with them um and don't don't overlook that because that's that is the key to a successful author editor relationship so I just wanted to share that anything to add to that Erica I was just about to say I wanted to add to that um one of the experiences that came to mind I want people to know that you cannot hurt your editor's feelings if you decide not to agree with something right they work right even with the companies I've had people lie to me and say mm. that they were ready, or they were ready to pay. But then when the contract showed up, it's like, um, where's your signature? And then it was like, oh, well, this or that. And it's right. like, you can be up. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you understand a lot mm-hmm. of people are not comfortable. And sometimes, even though you may want a service, like you may not necessarily be ready for it. So it is okay to right. decline to say I'm not ready or I'm not interested. It is right. perfectly fine. You will not feel it. I promise you. Right. And then um, I'm four years into, you know, love for words and editing. So I've definitely learned a lot. And one of the things that I did, you know, in the beginning stages is if I saw something and didn't sound right or didn't look right, I would change it. But I have evolved to now just adding a comment, you know, into the margin and letting the author, you know, yes, I agree or no, I don't agree. So it makes for an easier exchange when, um, you've reached a level as an editor where you know it's a delicate balance between actually making revisions and changes and or giving the author the opportunity to decide and just bringing it to their attention. So that's one of the other things I wanted to share about um, the editing process. Um, so thank you. I'm, I'm always excited to interview other editors. I love um, speaking to them. Usually they agree with me, so that doesn't hurt. <laughs> But I'm excited. I'm definitely excited, um, you know, that we were able to connect again and that you're a guest again. Um, That's really great. So um, keeping in line with the editing process, what would you say are your, is your least and least favorite and most favorite part of, of being an editor? So I absolutely love developing ideas because being a creative, like that's what I do all the time. Even when I'm not working, I'm always brainstorming something. So when I'm in a developmental stage with my clients, that's when I'm able to feed off of them to see exactly what direction they want to go in. And I'm able to help them build those ideas out. But when it's time to actually edit and clean up the manuscript, that's when it's like, it's not necessarily like it's boring, but Mm -hmm. it's more so tedious. And it takes Mm -hmm. a whole more effort, like to make sure that like you're not overlooking anything. Mm Because no matter how you go through a manuscript, you're likely to look over something. Exactly. Like it's just basic human error. And before I used to, yeah. And before I used to experience a lot of anxiety around that. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, but it doesn't have to be perfect. And that's what I'm learning mm-hmm. now. It still has to be good. And like a lot of like big name authors, like when I get copies of their books, I still find typos and guess right. what? It's fine. Right. It's not a big deal, but it exactly. really took to get to that point to where I was comfortable with it but it's like it's still a little bit of anxiety that's there whenever I do work on like cleaning up the document right yeah it can be um it can be uncomfortable but like yourself I've learned that um we strive for excellence not perfection so that's what I you know tell myself and I tell my clients um as humans we make mistakes and um there's no way around that so um if you're looking for or yeah if you're looking for a perfect editor that search will be lifelong. <laughs> um, and then I also, I also refer to the 
fact that even computers make mistakes. So how often have you edited in Word and Word doesn't catch X, Y, Z. So if a man-made computer, you know, this machine that's supposed to be so much smarter, so much faster than us, still misses mistakes, then of course, as humans, we're going to um, make similar or the same mistakes. So I always bring that to the attention too. Um, and then you also uh, brought up a good point that editing is very tedious. So there are times I, I have consultations with clients who have a budget that is quite low. And I think that's because a lot of people don't understand the value and tediousness that goes into editing. Um, there's assumptions that it's easy to do, that it should be a quick turnaround. And that's definitely not the case. So just because the manuscript is 10 pages doesn't mean it's going to take 10 minutes. If the manuscript is not written well, a 10 page manuscript can take, a several, can take several hours. Um, if it hasn't been previously proofread, or again, like I said, if it's someone who has limited writing skills or maybe English is their third language and they're trying to write in English and now you have to clean it up. Um, so for the authors who are listening and writers who um, are looking to work with editors and sometimes get sticker shock when they get the, they get the quote, just understand that it is a very laborious and tedious task. Um, it takes time, it takes attention to detail, um, and you're paying for value. And editing is an investment, not an expense. Yeah. So you may have to save up for a little while to get a quality edit. Um, don't be afraid to do that. Um, so don't let the price deter you. And also remind you that you get what you pay for. So you may find an editor who will, you know, charge you $200 for 200 pages, but what is that manuscript going to look like <laughs> when it's done? Um, anything to add to that? I'm on my soapbox. Anything you want to add to that, Erica? Because <laughs> like I mentioned before, having come from Fiverr, I was one of those people who was undercharged. So to have people who were telling me, you need to raise your prices, I was like, what? Like, I wasn't expecting that. And when I really started to look into it more, I was like, like, I really have been underselling myself. And I understand, like you said, like with a lot of people with the price point, it is difficult sometimes when you don't have that budget. And that's the reason why I was comfortable keeping it so low, but it was difficult for me to make a living. But that was a big part of the reason why I decided to write my ebook. So they could see what goes on in the process. Mm -hmm. In the event that you're open, doing it yourself like you can see how many steps are involved and even with the ebook like it's still not every single thing right it's just touching on the main so it is a lot involved and even now because even though I've been comfortable I was seeing someone mention on Instagram that it's like if you've been comfortable with your pricing it's time to raise it again mm -hmm. like if things have been and I'm learning to price things at a value because I have been doing things by the hour but it's like yeah not up it like the value that you get because it's always going to be more that people get with me like I'm always going to throw something else in so I know that it's worth it mm -hmm. right definitely and that that's also important it's something that I have um, been working through as well um, and just to, to inform the you know our audience um, you're uncomfortable with the sticker tag but sometimes as the business owner we're not 100% comfortable telling you the price because it's like, oh, yeah. if I give you that price, then you're not going to work with me. So have some grace <laughs> when we give you a quote 
and realize we're probably feeling the same thing as you when it comes to the pricing. Um, so thank you for um, backing me up on that, Erica. So um, as a, a Black woman um, who works in the literary field and is an editor, how do you feel that race has impacted um, your business, whether um, you know that relates to um, getting clients or how you approach clients or even how clients interact with you? So I was just having a conversation with my sister yesterday. And it's one of those things that even though I do understand a lot of people don't have the budget for certain things, but I feel that in being not only a woman, being a black woman, a lot of people expect you to just give them like the discount just because. And it's like, um, you do understand this is a business. And I do have certain discount programs and it's mm -hmm. like, okay, if you refer people, you can get a, you know, if right. you a referral, you can get one. But it's like, I'm give that to you just because you expect it. And I feel oftentimes that a lot of people think that it's not worth it just because I'm a black woman. Like you should be more lenient. You should be open to offering it at a lower price. And mm -hmm. I, who mentioned to me that I should charge him and all the old clients, all the old prices, and charge only the new ones, the new mm -hmm. prices. And it's like not how this works. Right. At all. And I think a lot of people just don't see the value just because they see a black woman. And even with me, like because I look much younger than I am, mm -hmm. that's another factor too. They mm -hmm. think like, oh, she looks so nice. So I'm quite sure she'll cut me a discount. And before I used to give in because I was like like you mentioned before like oh you may not want to work with me so it's like I would give in but it's like when I started to just be stern and be like okay this is it that's when people started to think like oh well I might not want to work with her because of this but it's like oh but when I was letting you get the discount oh mm -hmm. I was the best world but now right. like there's an issue so I do feel that in bland in being a black woman I've had to make sure that my voice is heard and I've had to be very stern with people to make it known to them that this is a business regardless of how you see it because a lot of people still do see it as a hobby and it's mm -hmm. like it's not <laughs> it is the way that I make a living and it's constantly growing and evolving and that can't continue if I'm giving everyone discounts so right. that's been a major struggle for me as a black woman in a right. literary field. right yeah um I don't have an issue with discounts. <laughs> I don't give discounts. <laughs> um, I usually, yeah, that's not something I do. I'm not opposed to it, but um, I haven't really experienced people expecting a discount when they uh, approach me. Um, one of the one of the blessings that I see in being a black editor, a black female editor to be specific is being able to work with black female authors who feel like their voice is being heard and appreciated um, and as I always say you know if you're a black woman working with a white male editor there's going to be a what am I like a filter there just because you live in such well typically we have a much different experiences so I wanted to bridge the gap between um, black authors um, who felt like they they didn't feel comfortable working with uh, white editors either because their stories were undervalued, not valued at all, unappreciated, um, labeled as 
ghetto or um, labeled as not to be taken seriously because they're using slang or um, African-American African vernacular English or whatever non-standard English um, you know, they choose to use in their books. So it's important for me to, to connect with other Black authors. And that's one of the reasons I did want to become an editor. Um, we definitely exist out there, but of course our numbers are a lot smaller than, um, you know, like white editors. So it's important for me to make sure um, Black authors know that there are Black publishers and Black editors um, and Black literary professionals who are here to um, fairly and appropriately represent you who, when they read, you know, they're reading through a lens um, similar to yours. So they're not judging your work or um, looking down you know, on what you've written based on your genre or again, whatever language you're writing in. So that's really important for me. In regards to how that impacts, you know, me working with clients. I mean, the majority of my clients are Black. I don't hide um, or shy away that my target market is Black women. Um, certainly, you know, if, if someone who's not Black approaches me, I'm not going to turn them away because they're not Black. But um, I... I'm not shy about saying, you know, my target market is Black women. Um, that's the demographic I connect with. I, I really enjoy their stories. Um, so that's important for me. As an entrepreneur, I can decide, you know, who I want to work with. So um, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but that's some of my experience and how race and gender influences um, my work over at Love for Words. Yeah, because I love that you mentioned that because Black women became my target audience, even though I didn't intend for it to be. That's just who was attracted to me because I really didn't have like any like set goal in mind when I first started, but that's another story for another day. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, whoever was willing to work with me. And of course, in the beginning, I did work with a mixture of people, but it's like over time, I started to see who were the people who came to me the most. And it was Black women. And mm -hmm. in reading their stories, a lot of the times it's like, we have so many shared stories. And we just have different experiences, but it's like the story and stuff like it's basically the same. And it's like just spending time with people's stories and like seeing them be able to finally put them out. It's like, it's great to be connected to that. And I think that's a big part of the reason why like I've built the courage to tell my own story. Just through seeing other people's stories and like people who've been through way worse than me. So I'm like, okay, if they were brave enough to put their story out there, you can do the same thing too. So I absolutely love working with Black women and Black women's stories. Awesome. Yeah. So we also have that in common. That's great to hear. Um, can you offer any, um, are there any resources you would recommend to our listeners who, um, you know, either need support in their writing, any programs or books that you think will be helpful for them? Well, I am a big advocate for podcasts. So if there are any people that you love listening to that are in the literary world, figure out if they have a podcast. Mm -hmm. like, binge, like everything that you feel would be helpful to you. Like I have like a playlist of different things. So whatever I feel like I need to work on, it's like, okay, so if I want to learn more about the business, it's like, okay, so I have different episodes dedicated to that. Or if I'm worried more so about like, okay, so how can I stay creative over time? Like I add that to the playlist. And also as far as books. So one that I'm reading right now is Write, Publish, Repeat. And even though some of the material is gonna be a little dated because it came out in 2013, it is a great resource and it is very comprehensive. Like 
to teach you everything you need to know from start to finish in writing a book and not just writing a book, but actually marketing a book to where it can become profitable for you. And at first I was apprehensive to even look up different resources. And of course there are a whole lot of other ones if you need help with the different types of verbs to use because sometimes you can feel like there aren't any other ways to say this. So it's very helpful to have resources like that. Um, um, there are also books that help you with adjectives, character reactions, because if you're writing fiction, sometimes it's like you get tired of saying the same thing over and over and mm -hmm. over again. And there are a million and one ways to say said. And um, there are a lot of books that are dedicated to that. So my advice would be to just figure out exactly what area you do need help in and then go find resources. Like Amazon is great for finding some that are very reasonably priced. And sometimes you might stumble across some that are free because as part of marketing their books, like their first ones are free mm -hmm. so they can buy their other ones. So just be sure to check all those things out and even get on the internet. Google is your friend. It was my friend in the mm -hmm. beginning. A lot of questions that I had, I was able to find blogs. And mm -hmm. by these same authors whose podcasts I listened to, I was able to find blogs where they went into depth about certain areas. So just use everything that's accessible to you and you'll be able to grow. And it's like, I'm still amazed at like how much I've learned just from doing that before I even started paying for mm -hmm. resources, like all the free information I got. So it's out there and it's available. You just have yeah. to go and get it. For sure. Um, the other resource I recommend is your library. Um, oh. They're recently reopening. I know they were closed for COVID, but the library is an awesome resource. You know, you can check out the book. You don't have to worry about, you know, having the money to pay for it. You know, they have um, eBooks available and we have DVDs. So don't overlook the library. I love going to the library. I love books from the library. Mm -hmm. I really do love that feature. Yeah. When I travel, I go to the libraries that are in whatever city I, I go to. Uh, <laughs> I like that. My, my mom was like, you're such a nerd. <laughs> There's absolutely nothing wrong with being a nerd because yeah. even getting a physical book, even though I do like ebooks, there's mm -hmm. still something special about a physical book like being sure. able to hold your For hand sure. so it, yeah. that makes me and so be it whatever. <laughs> I agree so thank you so much for all the information that you shared and the recommendations and giving us some insight into your journey so if anyone in the audience wants to work with you or they want to access your ebook or just want to keep up with you how can they connect with you so the easiest way would be on Instagram. So you can find me at She Writes Masterpieces or at Masterpieces Writing. And if you click the link in the bio, you'll be able to see the website, the link to the ebook, as well as all the other things that I'm working on as far as the YouTube channel. So everything will be there in the link in the bio. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, again, thanks so much for being a guest again. It's been a pleasure catching up with you. And thank you everyone for tuning in to Editor Knows Best. Again, it airs every Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern, <coughs> excuse me, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a few other stations. Thanks again, everybody. Be safe and be well. <laughs>